right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sala here. Got a great interview with Madeline Sagstrom today. This interview goes hand-in-hand with a video that is premiering on our YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. It's called A Week in the Life. Uh, Madeline, for some reason, let us follow her around for an entire week beginning to end during the GameBridge LPGA uh, last month or two months ago, I guess now. And we documented the whole process. It's a project we really wanted to do. DJ has been absolutely grinding in the edit bay to get this thing out. And as Randy said on the podcast this past week, it's it's something that is uh, we're, we're maybe the most proud of of anything we've ever put together. And I, I say we. I didn't really do, even do anything. I just encouraged DJ along the way. There's a lot of color added in this interview to what you're going to see in the video as well. And uh, we talk a little bit about uh, Madeline's. It's a tough subject about the, her sexual abuse uh, that she went through as a child. Uh, we don't really spell it out in great detail, understandably, here on the podcast, but when you hear us talking about a, a difficult time in her life, that's definitely what we're referring to. Uh, and as well, we uh, we discussed that as well in the video this coming week. And we thank Madeline and the LPGA and everyone involved for uh, letting us get involved in this way and, and bringing this product. So please head to our YouTube channel and, and check that out if uh, if you are listening to this past 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. No Laying Up is brought to you by Precision Pro Golf. I just got off the golf course here. We're at Pinehurst this week. Used my Precision Pro rangefinder on every single hole. Randy's battery died, which is his own fault. And one of the uh, amazing perks of Precision Pro rangefinders is they have give you free battery replacement for life. The big key is you got to get the batteries you know, keep them in your golf bag. No problem sharing with the big guy today, but uh, our listeners can add the NX9 slope to their golf bag for $20 off if you use coupon code NOLANGUP, all one word, at checkout. $20 off their most advanced rangefinder, the NX9 slope. Crystal clear display. It's got slope-adjusted distances, target lock, pulse vibration, a built-in magnet uh, for your golf cart. It's got all the bells and whistles. You can't. You do not need anything more in a rangefinder. And it's got. They, they truly have the best customer service of anyone in the business. If you call, someone answers. It's a real person who's a golfer themselves, and uh, it's their mission to help you with their question. It's the only only rangefinder, like I said, that comes with lifetime battery replacement. So. Add the NX9 slope to your golf bag. Go to precisionprogolf.com. Use coupon code NOLANGUP at checkout for $20 off our favorite range finder, the NX9 slope. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Let's get to Madeline Sagstrom. All right, so when you were approached by DJ and Randy to say, hey, we want to follow you around for a whole week while you're doing your job and film it all, what was your honest reaction? My first reaction was that it was something that I have had in my mind that I would love to do. Like I would want to watch what somebody else does. And uh, I was like, heck yeah, let's do this. It's going to be so much fun. Was it distracting at all though? And be honest. No, it wasn't. I, I, I think people around me thought it was going to be a bit more distracting, but I honestly, with the preparations that I had in front of before that tournament, it was honestly probably the best I could have had because it made me focus on what was important to me and not just because I mean, I obviously want to portray myself in a way that's authentic to who I am. And so it made me kind of put more things in perspective and kind of just go out and go for it rather than worrying about my game where I was at and blah, blah, blah. Well, when you when you saw the week in the life video for the first time, you texted DJ that you noticed yourself doing a few things that you never realized <laughs> you did. I'm curious what what those were, what what it was like to uh, watch it. But you know, kind of those little clues, like the little words that you say under your breath. And I was like, wow, do I actually say that? <laughs> and I was, and I also I I speak very fast. Uh, I didn't realize how fast I spoke. And I was, and I, but my first reaction after I watched the video, I was like. Oh, she's cool. I want to be her friend. And I was like, nice. <laughs> we do. I, that's what one of the things I think we promised was we're going to make you look real cool. I promise that's the case. But oh, that's, you what, did a good job. <laughs> well, what's your biggest takeaway as far as like something that people don't really realize about LP, you know, life on the LPGA tour? I know you mentioned in there that, you know, nobody ever sees anything outside of Thursday through Sunday. And, and beyond that, nobody sees anything outside of those who are in contention. So uh, kind of just expand on what, what day-to-day life is like out there or things that you think people probably aren't fully aware of. Well, I think the biggest thing is just 
I mean, it's hard. Like everybody gives their heart and soul out there. Everybody wants to be at the top and you just, and when focus only is on the people that are playing well, like you, like you don't forget, but you, like you don't see anything about the, about the people that are like fighting with things or struggling with their game. And I think that that's, that's when golf is really hard. Like I know, I mean, everybody who plays golf knows how hard a tough round is. And it's just having those in the spotlight trying to make a living out of that life is just really difficult so i think that sometimes that don't get talked about enough because it's uh, we get put on a sometimes a pedestal like you know people want think that our lives are perfect and it's just it's not it's not the whole reality of it like we work so hard they put their heart and soul into everything they do and it's i mean it's it's not as easy as people think it is because you only see the people that are winning and i think that sometimes it's you just lose a little bit of that perspective that everybody who's out there is we are the best at what we do but it's still not easy to maintain that level of uh, like professional golf hmm. i want to pick your brain on this this thought and if you do not agree with it at all i feel free to disagree with this but you know we we cover uh, you know the men's game a lot and it when i go out on the lpga tour i feel like i'm i what i see or my reaction to everything is that I don't feel like the LPJ players, and I mean this in the best possible way, I don't feel like you're defined as much by what you do for a living as I feel like some of the men are. And what I mean by that is just that you guys are, you you work so incredibly hard at your game, yet I feel like you're better at keeping things in perspective as to what it all means overall in your life. Does that make any sense at all? Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, I hope it's true because I think it's easy to get stuck in that world. It's easy to define yourself a lot with the game. And personally, I think a lot of people will feel better both about their golf and about themselves as human beings if you can make that distinction between I am not my results. Like this golf is a big part of my life, but it's not everything that I am. So, I mean, I'm hoping you're right because that would be great because I think that we're doing something really good then. Yeah, I just remember when we when we shot the Wild World of Golf with you and Annie Park, you know, just how how just hearing her talk about golf and her life and everything it just I was I was very impressed by that mostly because I th- you know if you're the you're the, I think the 72nd ranked player in the world as of right now and if you compare that to the men's tour like the 72nd ranked player on the men's tour has a whole huge team and and one of the things one of the big takeaways we had from you know spending some time with you is that you seem to handle a lot of your own responsibilities as far as sponsorships media requests is, is that rare on the LPGA tour and wh- what has that been like well, I wish I could afford one of those huge teams. I th- I do think that it is it is a big difference. Um, money is a big dif- money is a big part of it probably um, because it's it is much more difficult for us to make a go around, and you have to take a bigger responsibility for yourself. And I we don't have the same things to offer to sponsors sometimes because we can't promise perfect TV times. We can't. We can't promise some of these things that I mean. If you're playing the Masters, you know that you're going to be seen on like TV that you know you're gonna like have those highlights and I think in a sense that um, well I'm personally a control freak so I struggle with that a lot to give somebody uh, I struggle to delegate that's that's one of my issues but it, it is different and I think that it's just watching I mean men's and women's sport in general it looks extremely different all across the board it's not just women's golf it's I mean watching I mean comparing basketball you can't it's 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 really hard to compare men's and women's sports well, uh, before we get too down, too far down, a million things I want to ask you. It probably is helpful for listeners to do a little bit on your background. I think this is now between you and Pernilla, this is now a Swedish women's golf podcast. But uh, I, I want to hear some about you know growing up in Sweden and how you ended up. Uh, all the all the what the, what you think the key things are that led you to uh, to where you are today. Well, one of the big things is actually I think the distinction, like the distinct seasons we have back home, because when I was young. I put my clubs in the basement from probably from November until March, April, because I couldn't play golf. Uh, so that was kind of one of the first things. So I was, I was surrounded by a lot of different sports. I played soccer, I did gymnastics for a long time. So I would say overall, um, we're, most people coming from Sweden are pretty well-rounded athletes just because we've had been forced to do other things. Uh, and then I think also the mentalities, like, from my perspective mine comes a lot from Annika just knowing she made it to America she made it on the big tour like she come came from this small country and she proved that we also can be something and that that has inspired me to kind of 
spread my wings and just see how far can I go. Um, so that was always my mentality. I was like, okay, I want to get out of Sweden. I want to live the dream. Let's, let's <laughs> go for it. And now bringing that full circle, you tee it up with Annika Sorenstam at the GameBridge the week that we followed you around. I mean, what is that like a pinch me moment for you? It wasn't until I stood, until I walked to the tee box on the first day, I was like, holy crap, like, is this actually happening? And I was like, I am so proud being both myself and my journey that I've that I've done over the years and also being Swedish. And I was like, we are three, the three, three of the best women's golfers from Sweden. And we're playing in a feature group in America on the best tour in the world. And I was like, this is sick. I was like, this is crazy. I just felt really humbled and just really, really, really proud uh, when I walked to the tee box. Well, I honestly don't think I had realized it till I was out following you guys the first two days. Like, I've never seen Annika play golf in person. Like, I never saw her, you know, she retired in 2008, and I definitely wasn't doing this job back then. And it was really cool to just see greatness up close and personal, you know? I mean, she's obviously not in the prime of her career, but, you know, you commented afterwards, at least, you know, she's, again, hasn't played professional golf in 13 years and comes out and amazed you uh, with her wedges. One, you said you were going to follow up with her on some tips on wedges. Did you did you actually do that after the event? And and what, what amazed, you know, a, a fellow professional golfer when another player does that with her wedges what, what what was it that stuck out to you well I think I know from a for fact when I go into my off season I put the clubs on the shelf for two weeks and I go back and I was like oh goodness what have I done and I was like that was 13 years of that it takes it takes time to get tournament fit like we feel that every year it's like it takes time to get back into the groove of things and how how do you play competitive golf because it's easy when you're out with your friends and just whack it around like everything within a club length is a gimme you know like it's it's different so I mean just her hunger and her how serious and how many shots she can still pull off was obviously I mean it was phenomenal she I mean she didn't have the distance that I know she used to have and I think that I mean that comes with both not playing and also she is older now than she was but just that I mean the touch in her hands is still there um it's insane it was crazy for people that maybe aren't familiar with your pro career, how would you describe it? Where do you where do you fit into the LPGA landscape? And I, I, could, I could read off stats and, and your resume if I wanted to, but I'd be, I'm kind of more curious to hear your answer on it. Well, my answer is I always see my career kind of as a roller coaster, but at the same time, I always know that it's like, if you look at it from a big perspective, it's always gone up. Um, I've done every stage of both Symmetra Tour and and LPGA. So I've kind of, and I did, I did went to college to LSU. So I, I consider myself one of those people that kind of followed the rule book of how you're supposed to do it. Uh, just done, like done every little step along the way, trying to stay a little bit on each step and not too long and just continue to grow and get better. Um, so I've done a little bit of everything. Because I, I've, having watched you play, you know, we did the Wild World Golf one and then watching you play for 36 holes. It, you seem to hit the ball differently than a, in almost every LPGA Tour player I've seen. Um, SH Park comes to mind in terms of uh, similar ball striking, I think, and in terms of how far you guys both hit it and just the the way the ball flies through the air. You're an excellent putter. If if I, I don't want to say the results don't seem to match the game, but I, if somebody asked me why is she not a top 10 player in the world, I would struggle to answer that. So I'll just ask you that. Why, why, what is keeping you from being, a, say, a top 10 player in the world? Um, I would consider that those six inches between my <laughs> between my ears at the moment. <laughs> it's uh, I feel that same way to to a certain extent. I also, I mean, I want to tighten my game up a bit. I uh, I think people consider me a better ball strike ball striker than I might consider myself. I don't really see the consistency there. I'm a way too much of a, a perfectionism like perfectionist in general. Uh, so. I think I'm the thing in, in my way, really, I mean, pretty much. And that's what I'm working really hard off because I can feel my potential. And I, and I, 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 and I thank you for that. Uh, I see it as a compliment because I, I do see my game being able to be like up there fighting in majors and, and be one of those players, but I'm um, not there yet. <laughs> Continuously working on that. <laughs> 
Right, but I, yeah, and I think just to that point, I watched, you know, what MB Park is able to get out of her game, right? And and you're capable of things with the golf ball that she's not capable of. But, you know, it's 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 just something that it, it's so hard for as somebody that follows the game as closely as I do for me to really separate out at the highest level of both men's and women's golf, like what makes certain people special. But it, it was interesting that your mind went, your answer went straight to, to your head. So is, would you say... You struggle with confidence or, you know, what have you learned about the mental side of golf over the course of your career? I think I struggle a lot with confidence. I know, I mean, I can watch some of the girls on tour and I was like, I want to believe in myself as much as you believe in yourself. I do think that I, I deep inside, I do believe in myself and I do know, uh, I know that I do what I love to do, but then sometimes in the heat of things, I do question my own ability. Um, and I wish somebody would just be able to give me the key. This is like, here's the key to all your problems. Like, you're welcome. But um, it comes with practice. I mean, the same thing is if you want to get good at six footers, you have to hit a lot of six footers. And if you want to be confident, you have to practice being confident. So I, that's kind of where, where I'm at, just kind of keeping myself accountable of continuing to improve those areas where I feel like I'm lacking. Confidence is one, one thing. Uh, being extremely, extremely hard on myself is another thing. And just being acceptant of where my game at is one thing. Um, I, proved myself, I proved something to myself a few weeks ago that I've struggled a lot with. I started out with double bogey in uh, Carlsbad at uh, Kia Classic. And then I went on and shot one of the best rounds of my life. And I think that for me just proves like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you can continue. If you continue working on continue grinding, something good can still come out of it. Hmm. I'm curious with your Swedish background, if you're familiar at all with Vision 54. I know that uh, Pia Nilsson and, and their team is quite popular out on the uh, on the LPGA tours. Have you worked with them at all on, uh, on the mental side of golf? I haven't worked with them personally, but I say hi to them when I see them. I, I know a bit of how they're uh system works uh but i i work really close with my coach back home helms larson he is i consider him my he's not my swing coach he's my performance coach he's in every single part of my game in my life and we're picnicking and just um just trying to perfect every part i work with a mental coach marcus through the swedish national team so that's kind of the the route that I have been on so far. A quick break to check in here with our friends at Whoop. You can use coupon code no laying up all one word at checkout to get 15% off your Whoop and your subscription. Again, this is huge, huge savings on this thing. You've heard us talk a lot about this fitness wearable and all the benefits that we've reaped from learning about personalized insights into our bodies, how it works with, you know, when you're using CBD, when you're having alcohol, when you have sugar, where you wear a, you know, wear a sleep mask or all these things that you can do to really track and measure what it's doing to your body's recovery. You know, I'm starting to get in the gym, working on my speed training a little bit. I need to know what days are my best days to get in the gym, the days I need to peak, how much sleep I need to get. If I do want to peak on these days, I will say I continue to have way too much dessert at night and it drives my heart rate through the roof when I go to sleep and I don't recover as well and I pay for it the next day. These are all personalized insights that you get with Whoop, an easy fitness wearable. You wear it on your wrist. You, you never take it off. You can shower with it easy to charge, easy to keep up with, and it has truly made some changes in, in all of our lives. It's a product we're passionate about. You can go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Use coupon code NOLANGUP at checkout for 15% off. Let's get back to Madeline Sextrum. Well, I want to hear kind of some about your relationship with Robert Carlson, um, how, how that started and, and what, uh, you know, what kind of role he's played in your career and life. That started through the national team back in 2015 because I was the only Swedish uh, player, well, girl, going through Q school at that point. And the Swedish national team offered like, hey, would you want Robert to be at Q school? And I was like, eh, heck yeah. Why would not Robert Carlson, like one of the best Swedish male golfers of all time, like if he wants to be there, I want him there. So that's kind of how it all started. And we, we figured out really quickly that we, we look at the world in a very similar eyes and just think about the game similar. So we worked really, really closely together in uh, 16 and 17. Me kind of really growing into that role of professional golf because when I came out on tour, I was so extremely uncomfortable. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't belong out here. So we worked super closely uh, then, uh, both off weeks, and he came out to a few tournaments. And it was just so nice to be able to speak to somebody who understand how you feel. Because sometimes, like, 
I'm gonna give the example of my parents, but because they don't they don't play professional golf, so sometimes when I say something like just don't think, and I was like, well, it doesn't work like that, you know. So it was it was it was so nice when somebody can relate to you and just come up with legit like legit answers to like this happened to me too. I did this to get through it. So it was such a nice way to pick somebody's brain and just learn from one of the best. Hmm. And his role in in the story that you decided to tell here in the last month or so, I found particularly interesting. And you came you came forward with you know a part of your life that was obviously incredibly difficult. And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, use some of the words you used in the in the LPGA Drive On video, which is also included. Uh, parts of it are included in our uh, Week in the Life video. But you said I'm sitting in a hotel room in Greenwood, South Carolina, and I can't stop crying. It's March 2016, and I'm here to prepare for a Symmetra Tour event later in the season. I want to give myself the best chance to succeed, but I can't keep this inside me anymore. I need to tell someone about the secret that I've kept bottled up inside of me for 16 years. I'm wondering as best as you can, tell us that story. And then well, I'd like to get into as well as why you, you know, what, how telling that story has helped you uh, in recent years. So when I started working with Robert, my only intended focus was this is for golf like I'm going to be so I'm going to become such a better golfer by working with him and blah 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 and I think most of my decisions in life have been like golf 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 everything is about golf and when I really started working with Robert he made me understand that if I like how I am as a person affects my golf and who, who I am and how I view myself and how I view the world is also going to affect how I play. So I kept like, I've had this thing come up before, but I've never said like, this is no point. Why, why, why even waste thought about this? And I've kind of just kept like pushing it down, pushing it down. But us working on me being free, being free in my mind, being free in my golf made me realize I am stuck here. Like I, don't want to open this door and if i open this door i know i have a lot of work to do and and that that week when we were we were playing a practice round because for it was one of my biggest semester tournaments uh we were there early and and i know okay for me to be the best version of myself to become the best golfer i can be i need to open this door now and i need to start working on myself and that's when I decided to open up to him and talk to him. And it was, I mean, looking at it now, it was the best decision that I've ever made. I wish I would have made it earlier, um, but that's when I was ready for it. And that's when I was ready to face really something that has defined me um, or, or more an explanation of how, why I have reacted to things that I have, why some of my behaviors are the way they are. It's not everything, but it was a huge part of that develop like my developmental stage into professional golf and to how I define myself in that world. Sexual abuse is not a, uh, I mean, it's, it's a difficult topic, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's difficult for me to ask you about even, and you're, I guess the video starts with Beth Ann Nichols saying Madeline Sagstrom is a brave woman. And that's the word that comes to mind when I think of you deciding to tell this story in such a public way. Why was it important for you to tell it in, in a public way? Was it a bit of therapy for you or was the goal to help people? I'd like to hear kind of why you felt uh, it was time to, to tell the world about this. I think it's a bit of everything. I mean, every time I open my mouth and I, and I talk about it and, I, and it, just saying the word, word sexual abuse, it, it is it just becomes easier and easier. So for me, speaking about it, speaking about my own emotions and and just my trauma in that sense helps me as a person and dealing with my own stuff. But at the same time, like you said, it's, it's hard to speak about. And I was like, it, I want to make it less hard to speak about it because so many more people than we can even understand are dealing with this. And it's unfortunately, like we're never going to end. Like, it's like, you can't, you're not going to be able to reach the predator, but I can reach the victims and I can reach them and make them understand that you, first of all, you're not alone in this. And also there is light in the tunnel. Like you can go through this and still survive. Like it's, it's not going to determine how you want to live your life. Well, how would you uh, describe what the reaction has been like both on, on tour and in uh, any other aspects of your life? 
every time you go out with something very personal and something that you stand for, it's always hard. And I, oh, I was worried. I had talked about it back in 2017 before and the reactions then were very good. Uh, I was still worried this time too, uh, because you never know, you never know what reactions you're going to get, but the amount of love, the amount of support, the amount of people that can relate, the amount of people that have opened up, it's just, it's an overwhelmingly good. I, I thought I was, it's gonna be, it was gonna be a bit too much for me, but I realized really quickly that it's like, I wanna be in the middle of this because this is something that's really close to my heart and something that is important to me. And, and it's just been, I mean, it's been so empowering for me. I mean, I've, I'm growing every day just standing up for this and also standing up saying that okay this is a part of me but it's not everything so now i, I mean now i have to keep myself accountable like i have to show all those other sides for all the other people that are also looking at my journey so it's been so empowering and it's been so much love and i, I couldn't ask for anything else watching the video i'm not, I'm not gonna lie I, I teared up and maybe even actively wept a little bit when mike Wan publicly said that you were a hero of his i just thought that was the coolest thing that you know he joined your press conference uh, when you you had that at the Gamebridge and and what was what was your reaction to hearing something like that from the commissioner of the LPGA tour? Well, I was shocked. It was I was so surprised that he was there. Um, I don't know. It, it's so for me. I've always felt so so much love and so much. I've been so grateful for this tour and for this organization, the LPGA, because they they really care about us players like we are their children like they like they love us and they want to do the best thing for us and just just having their support in everything we do and in who we are it's it's just i mean that's all we can ask for i mean from our employer uh so it's it was so important for me for him to acknowledge this is more than just golf because that's what i have come to understand over all these years like life is more than just golf madeline it's not everything well, on a completely separate note, and again, kind of, I'm kind of, I never have this much material to work off of as I prepare, you know. But this video really does dive so deep into, you know, what a week in the life is like. That's that's there it is. There's the name. But you talked about gratitude for golf in that video and for for getting back into the season. Is it the downtime that you had leading up to this tournament that gave you that perspective? Do you feel that way after four to five weeks on the road? I, I just really appreciate to hear a professional kind of speak to being outdoors and loving golf uh, as you know, some, some professionals are very tired of golf at a certain point, but I, I enjoyed hearing that you have such gratitude for the game. What, what, what drives that? A hundred percent. It was sitting inside in London <laughs> for four weeks. I, cause it was, I mean, that was completely shut down. I couldn't do anything. Uh, I was so happy. I mean, we were staying with Jack, my boyfriend and his parents, cause we were getting our visas done and I was in a very good situation, obviously, but just, the fact of appreciating the life that I live and have created over here and just like, okay, what I do for a living, the golf courses that I go to, the grass that I play on, it just like, it. I feel like when you kind of step away from the game, when you get perspective, you get that sense of gratitude. Of course, when I play a million weeks in a row, I'm like, I get sick of it. I just want to get out of it. Like it's, I think, I think perspective is something that you, it's a choice that you make. Um, and I, I think it's easier when you decide to go and find that and find the balance of it. Because if you're out on the golf course day in and day out, it's easy to get tired of it. And one thing that, you know, just uh, in meeting Shane, your caddy, who, you know, traveled from Ireland for this event, it got me like a lot along the line of thinking of, you know, you play golf at the highest level uh, for women's golf. So, the amount of money that you guys play for, it's well-documented as not being nearly as high as the men's tour. And I'm coming at it again from Shane's perspective, right? A percentage of earnings on the PGA Tour for a caddy can be a great living. But I would say for the majority of LPGA Tour caddies, it's not necessarily the same. And I, I'm wondering how that, does that ever have any effect on you? Do, you? do you ever look at, say, like pressure to, you know, somewhat earn money for the guy toting your bag and going on the journey with you on that? I'm, I'm just always curious about that. It is hard. I, I three whacked on the last hole at Kia a few weeks ago. And the first thing I walk over and I say to him, I am sorry. Like, cause I know it means, I mean, it's not going to make a humongous difference, but at the same time, it does make a difference because I mean, he's got a family to support at home and, um, and I have my life to support. So you want to do well. And it's, um, 
it is hard to make everybody happy, but I think that deep down is like every time, even though I three whacked, I still tried to make everybody. It wasn't like I was going up there and just like missing it on purpose. So I, I think that it does, it does put perspective, but at the same time, it's like going through hard periods with your caddy is like when you succeed, it's so much worth it. Like, it's like you have that, um, you just have that feeling of success together. So I think, I mean, obviously they're a bit crazy like we are because they love they love that life traveling around the world some weeks you're not going to make a paycheck and some weeks you're making a massive paycheck so it's uh we're all a bit crazy that's what i consider yeah us. it is it's it's such a interesting way to go about life and i have I've great admiration for it but in the video you and you and shane sit down after a practice round and you go through the book in detail and i'm i was curious is that a normal thing or is that just because this is a course you weren't really able to fully experienced or, or fully versed on and you didn't have that much time to prepare uh on site for this tournament is that a very normal thing to sit and go through a book in that much detail for me it's i that's something that i do all the time because i i truly believe that if i can make the best preparations possible i'm less likely to do a strategic miss like I'm always gonna hit back off shots and I understand that and then but if you can learn how to miss in the right spots then you're still gonna be able to score and you can turn a very average week in a pretty into a pretty decent week or a really bad week into still making the cut you know I think I think trying to take variables out of play and just like okay this pin it's stupid we can't go for that that's just not in for today this here we can be very aggressive and just just kind of I mean, it's kind of like watching American football. Like they have their game plans on their little things and they do little things and tell each other, you know, it's the same thing for us. I think the more we can be on the same page, the easier, the better communication we're going to have when we're on the course. Um, we know where the wind's going to come from. We know, okay, if it's downwind on 14, I really don't want to hit driver. And then when we stand there, we're not really going to argue about it as much as we might have if we didn't talk about it. On the caddy note, Pernilla, we, her and I, she and I talked about how her husband caddies for her. Your boyfriend is a caddy on the LPGA Tour, but is not your caddy on the LPGA Tour. Any reason behind that? And have you guys worked together as player caddy? There's plenty of reasons behind that. <laughs> we have actually, we did end up working together for events uh, in the end of last year. Uh, that was on purpose. Uh, but it's it's something when we when we met... It was a decision that we decided to do. I give everybody who is working together, living together, traveling together. I mean, I give them so much credit because it's hard. Like you spend so much time together and we just made that decision very early. Uh, we're going to just do our lives, have something different to talk about each night. But um, he does coach me very closely. We practice together when we're home. So uh, so he has many roles already. So we decided not to give him a caddy role. <laughs> What's it? Are you guys when the tee sheets are coming out every week? Do you do you ever ask the LPGA tour, hey, can you please put me and Carolyn Headwall in the same, uh, you know, the same side of the bracket or same side of the draw, so you guys could wake up at the same time? Yeah, I mean, you. I wish. <laughs> um, he's working for uh, Jay Murray Green at the moment, and every and every week you obviously look. That's the first thing you look for. Like, are we in the same wave? And then you decide okay, I have to wake up really early to take you to the golf course. So, you know, I have that, that moment, but um, you, I mean, there's nothing that we can control. It's a choice that we've made, but obviously when we play in the same wave, it's much easier. So in certain weeks, you really hope to be in the same wave and certain weeks, it doesn't matter. Well, what can you tell us about who was on your bag when you won the game bridge in 2020? Yeah, that was a bit funny. Uh, my, my my caddy back then he wasn't gonna make it from south africa so i uh, i asked jack's dad and i was like hey i need a caddy for a week i don't really want to get to know somebody new would you want to carry my bag and just count numbers for me because i'm really bad at math and he goes hmm let, let me see and he actually this is what i said and he never said yes either so i was just asking jack it's like do you think he's actually gonna do it because if not i'm kind of screwed here i need to figure something out so I had him, his dad on the bag for, for a week, and uh, he is 100% and done. He's retired now. <laughs> one, one the event. What, what's it like trying to close out you know, an LPGA tor- tournament with you know, an amateur caddy on the bag? Well, I think, I think a caddy over time is going to, it's going to help a lot. Uh, for me that week, it was really like a lot about me being comfortable, a lot about me having a good time. And I think also me having that responsibility of 
taking more ownership of my own game really helped me uh, because I tend to lean a bit too much on my caddy sometime, ask for what do you think, what do you think, what do you think, rather than just sticking to my gut. So that week I learned a lot to just like trust, like I, I'm actually the boss of my game here. Like I need to trust myself even more, but it, it was, it, I mean, the fact that it was him, it just made it such a wonderful experience. Like Jack's mom was there too. So we all, I mean, as a family, we just had such a fun week. We all stayed together in a house. They were in America rather than in, uh, in the UK. So we just had such a good week together and it just really put perspective on life again, just going out there and enjoying it. Well, it looks like when you when you win, when you find out that you've won, shock doesn't really even define the look on your face. Really, it looks like you it looks like you didn't really even understand that you had won. Is that did you know exactly what the situation was, or kind of take us through that immediate reaction after you find out you win? I think on those last few holes, I was so present in what I was doing. I was so in the moment, and I just I just my only focus on eighteen. Well, after I missed that. Second shot was like, I need to make up and down here to get into this playoff. Because, I mean, NASA had a chance to make birdie, first of all. So everything just turned so quickly, and I didn't know what was going on. Once she missed her putt, I kind of knew where we were standing. But when she missed her putt, I was like, oh, hold on. Where's everybody else at? Like, is any, like, like, I don't know where everybody else is at. So that was the first thing that ran through my head. And I looked over at Alan Jackson, and he goes... Like, that's it. I was like, are you sure? And he's like, eh, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you, is it easier to, you know, once you've won on tour, is, are you able to draw on that? You know, everybody still goes through ups and downs, but are, are you able to say to yourself, like, look, I have won. Like, I've done this before. Does that help you out in confidence in any way since you've won? 100%. I, I mean, that's always something, like, I'm an LPGA Tour winner. I will forever be an LPGA Tour winner. And nobody can take that away from me. And I think that is just, I mean, if I ever have doubt, whenever I have doubt in my head, that's like what the first thing Jack reminds me was like, you have won on tour. You know how to do it. You can do it again. And I was like, yes, true, true, true. But I still don't hit that 58 degree wedge close enough. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's something that I, I, after I won, I was on a really good run. I was playing really, really well. Um, then COVID hit and I had a really bit, a bit of a struggle coming back into it. But of course, I think it's kind of it's kind of like that with everything in life. Like once you get that first, it it does get easier. You like knowing that you can do it, knowing that you can perform under the like the most amount of pressure. It's just yes, you you got it done. Well, I love in particular in the video when you're talking about putting. You say, "I know for a fact that my ball will never start offline, so it's either the speed or the read." And I was just like, "Man, what a way to go through life, one to get to that." Is that do you like? It, is that something you tell yourself, like it's not going to start offline? Or do you truly, truly believe that you will never hit a putt that starts offline? Well, I mean, clearly it could start <laughs> offline, but I don't believe it does ever. Because <laughs> I know that I put in the work for it. I, I consider myself having gotten to the point with my mechanics that, okay, you might not look beautiful, but I know that it starts online. And also I do, I'm, I mean, I'm aware that sometimes if I'm aiming somewhere and I, might, I feel something different, it's not... It could start offline, but in my mind, it's never going to be a ball start mistake. It's either going to be a misread, a mental block, or um, or the speed is off. That's kind of those three things that I only I always go back to. That's awesome. I'm a, I think I'm going to channel some of that now. It's like, oh, it's going to start do. online. Just focus on the speed. But <laughs> you're you're big on the Truvis balls. You play a Truvis ball, Callaway, and this is not a sponsored segment. I just I'm a huge huge Truvis fan. But I want to know why you play it, and I'm I'm honestly surprised after playing it for so long, at least for myself, that more tour players aren't using them. I'm I'm obsessed. It's helped me so much around the greens. Why do you use the Truvis? Well, I think people get a little bit. Like, it's a lot. Like, they think it's a lot. But I think you get so used to it, though. It's ridiculous. Um, the, actually, the, the, the main reason why I started was because, it, like, well, call it marketing. Call it, like, me giving a kid a ball that is the only person they can get it from is me. You can't copy that ball. Like, that ball, the only person that have those balls are me. So that was the whole reason because it's, it's, I wanted it to be special. I wanted, it's like, you can design your own ball, man. I was like, eh, yeah, absolutely. I want to design my own golf ball. 
So that was kind of the the main reason at first. And now, I mean, I just love when that when you get that roll in that ball and it just rolls perfectly. Oh, it's so satisfying. Um, so, I mean, I love it. And now it's like walking on the fairway. I never guess which one is my ball. Like, it's like, there's so many things that it's, I love about it. But from the start, it was the fact that I wanted those little kids to have a special ball for me. Hmm. That's cool. Because I, I like, when I used to put a black line on, on a ball, you know, when I would putt, I would obsess over whether or not that black line rolled perfectly end over end, right? And I would, uh, when it didn't, it would get in my head. But the Truvis uh, looks like yeah. a perfect putt every time you hit it. And one, I was connecting the two questions there. Do you never think you start one offline because the Truvis makes you think it goes online? And two, I just... Yeah, I'm, no, I don't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair, but that is something that I, I just, as one of the few professionals that uses it, I figured that would be uh, something to ask you. But what's something, if you could go back in time, something you could tell rookie Madeline Sagstrom, what, what's an example of something maybe you would help a rookie out with or something you wish you knew when you were just starting out in professional golf? I think just taking the space that they have earned. I It's easy to go stand in the corner of the range. It's easy to not stand to next to Lexi on the range. Like it's easy to make yourself smaller than you actually are. Um, I wish, I think I did it quite well, but it's like you're on the LPGA tour for a reason. Like make sure that you remember that reason when things get tough or when you succeed. Like I think the people that go out there and are confident and trust their own game and trust that the path that they're on, they're gonna do great. But it's it's easy to see people making themselves making themselves smaller. Uh, so that's kind of what I always tell people that come out, the new rookies and people that I'm close to, and just myself too. When I start doubting myself, like I don't belong here, like. Do you, like, you don't deserve to do this and that. I was like, no, I do. Like, I have earned my spot here. I deserve to be out here. That's very interesting. Yeah, you got to tell yourself you, you belong. You know, it's, it's, your, it's your spot. That's interesting. Uh, so you had told either Randy or DJ, they, they said that you, uh, you said you want to own a farm in the country someday. And that you already <laughs> have the animals picked out and named. So with that in mind, what, what do you, you want to get out of the game of golf? You know, what, how, do, how do those two things correlate? Oh, I, I mean, I only play golf for own satisfaction. I really like, at the same time, like I love, I mean, I, I see myself as a professional athlete, but more than anything, I see myself as an entertainer. That's how I would consider my job description. Like I play golf because people enjoy watching me play golf. So that's kind of my, it's like, I want to go out and just show my love of the game. And I just, I, I also want to see how far I can go. Like how much, how many, how much can I push go? Like when will that stop? Um, and currently I'm not there. Um, I feel like I have a long ways to go to find that, to reach my potential and what I can do. But I think in the, I mean, the reason with the farm, it's more just, peace and quiet and, and perspective and I think that's I that's because my biggest thing is that I lose perspective on things and just lose a little bit of grip or reality uh, when I get stuck in golf too much and that's kind of what I like to focus on but I mean I play golf because I love the game and I want to share the love of the game and and there's now and I, I mean now too with telling my story and stuff and everything that comes with that I think that I have found even more like more and other different kind of purposes in life so that's I want to continue to grow that and to continue to grow that comfortableness about dealing with your with your own stuff um, so to speak well what you know kind of this is uh, maybe something I should have worked in more in the background but what you're you've you know you grew up in Sweden then you went to school in Baton Rouge and now you live in Orlando those are three I would say very different all very different cultures what was the acclimation process like at uh, both both the second and third stop along the way there insane it was I don't think I I mean because when I moved to college all I knew I was like okay I want to move to America I want to go somewhere where the weather is good and good practice facilities I can play year-round like that was my criteria it's like good school play with the best players in college, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I went to visit LSU and I was like, this is awesome. I want to go here. And I said, yes. And then when I came there and I was like, okay, it's a bit different than home. You know, like I remember first day of class, I sat, I found my classroom, sat down. And then I sit there and I observe, and I was like, everybody's talking to each other. And I was like, how does it come that everybody knows each other here? And I was like, this is crazy. And then somebody started talking to me and I'm like, Hmm, I don't know you. And then I realized like, 
oh no, that's how people do it. They just talk to each other. And I was like, okay, I can live with that. I can live, like, I can, I can get used to this. And it, it was just cool because as a golfer back home, I never felt like a superstar or like, you know, I didn't feel like cause at home. It's like soccer is bigger or ice hockey and stuff. And then when I, when I told people at LSU, it was like, I play golf for the golf team. They're like, no way. That is so cool. So I felt really cool. I felt very accepted because everybody kept talking to me all the time. And I just loved it. I loved the food, loved the culture. I loved everything about it. And then now I think Orlando's like a bigger mix, more, more similar to home. But at the same time, I have that American version of it too. Because you didn't like Orlando necessarily, right? When you, when you arrived, is that right? No, that's a very good, um, a very good thought because, I mean, I, I was told that when you're done with college, make sure you stay, like, don't leave right away. Don't change the things that have taken you to where you are right now. And I did stay for a bit and then I decided to move and I was comfortable in Louisiana. I was comfortable with the people. I kind of had my network of people there. And then when I moved to Orlando, I had I had nobody in that sense. Like I didn't have coaches, I didn't have friends, and it was it was hard in the beginning. And then a year into it, I I mean now like I don't think I'll ever leave. Like I love this place so much now. I I love my golf course. I love the membership. I just have the most amount of, amount of support here, and just the people here are fantastic. A couple hobbies we picked up that you have are photography and knitting, which I had a, a good laugh at the time lapse you have of you knitting on the plane. But I'd love to hear just kind of how how you you know how you found hobbies, what it was like to you know I, from what I gather, professional golf is very lonely at times, right? You have to have things that kind of keep your mind busy. Any anything else you tried out, and then, and how did you end up with those as kind of two of your main hobbies? Well, I've done. I'm not a terrible. I, I do draw too. Um, I'm, I'm quite decent at that too, actually. I like things to keep my hands occupied. Um, I, I do like to keep my mind occupied. And I think that I always try to go away from things that are not on my phone or not on my uh, computer or TV. I do, I mean, I do enjoy watching Netflix. Who doesn't watch Netflix, you know? But at the same time, I want to. I mean, knitting for me is kind of like meditation. I've tried meditation. I, I continue to suck at it. Like I really struggle to meditate. But knitting for me is now become how do I stay in the present? How do I deal with an issue? Like when one of the little strings is in the wrong place and like how do I, and then when I drop something, like how do I deal with my patients? So it's it's kind of like a mental practice for me in a sense. And photography is just going in and getting that perspective of things, like finding beauty in whatever I see. Um, and just, I mean, I love sitting editing photos and just just finding, okay, this is nice. Like, I, I mean, I, prefer, I love to take, photos of nature and especially animals, because then you really have to be present. Like you can't, if you're not there, you won't catch that moment. Hmm. And, and gosh, you, you, this has been a lot of fun off the course stuff, but back on the golf run, I asked Pernilla this question and she had a, a very, what I consider a very interesting answer to this, but you know, women's golf, what, what, what can, what kind of help does women's golf need? Where would you say, you know, if, if I were to help, if men's, you know, PGA tour golfers were to help in some way, and you could, you know, wave a magic wand on it. What, what would it look like? What would help from, you know, people either in media or in other aspects of golf? Uh, you know, what would that look like in an ideal world for you? Oh, that's such a hard question. I think that when, when members of the course asked me, what can we do for you? And I was like, watch us. Just watch it. Turn on the TV and watch women's golf. That's what I tell, like, that's what most people can do. I think that just watching and, and engaging and I think just I mean the biggest thing that I saw today was one of the Warriors uh, guys wearing an LPGA hoodie and I was like just supporting us in every in any way you can I was like people can't people are not going to be able to change our TV rights or make like prioritize women's golf in front of uh, PGA sometimes and I but I think just just engaging coming out to tournaments whenever we can do that again and just and just just seeing actually how good we are because we are really good at this game and and it's even more relatable i think to the to the average golfer because uh, i mean it's it's pga pga tour golf is just so extremely different and they're they're different kinds of athlete but i mean somebody with a five to ten handicap is going to be able to relate to women's golf more than men's golf i think well one of the things that 
seems to be really lacking in women's golf is statistics. So how how do how do they work? How does it work on the LPG tour? I've heard that players in some events, maybe all events, you have to keep your own stats. Is it, what 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 does that do for you professionally? Um, no, I think that uh, normally it's the it's actually the scorer that does the that does the stats out there, and it's I mean it's simple. Did you hit the fairway? Did you hit the greens? How many putts did you have? Were you in a green bunker? So it's nothing. I mean, it's nothing fancy at all. Um, I know that there is people doing a bit of more stats on the side, but um, nothing that the tour uses. Yeah, I think a, a shot link of some kind would be super, super helpful. Uh, you know, for fans, you know, that follow it. Uh, for us, that like refresh your scores every couple holes, it would help a lot too. I know, I know that. I'm sure for your family and friends as well. But uh, you keep a Rubik's cube in your bag. Talk to me about that. <laughs> yes, a miniature one at the moment. I, it was kind of the same thing in college. I, well, I thought college golf took forever. So I needed something to distract me when I was out there and I didn't want to talk to somebody else and just needed to focus on myself. So I kind of learned how to do the Rubik's Cube off YouTube and just kept doing that when I was playing and just to keep my mind occupied uh, was the biggest thing. And now it's kind of, it's kind of symbol in my bag. You know what? We I probably should have asked you this when we were talking about Annika, but you were a, a captain's pick when Annika was the captain uh, in 2017 for the Solheim Cup. What's uh, what's your standout memory from that experience? How extremely nervous I was for <laughs> nine holes. It was, I mean, it's one of those like you can't prepare anybody for that moment. Like it's it's like you have to kind of it's kind of same thing. You have to get through your first one and I I know the, uh, that I would handle a second one better than the first one. It it was just it was mind-blowing. It was overwhelming. It was fun. It was crazy. It was sad. It was uh, it was every all the emotions. Like the whole palette of everything was there. But at the same time, I was I mean, I was so honored to be there. I was so proud. Um but I was so scared at the same time and I just wanted to do well. What, was it hard getting the tee in the ground on the on your first hole? And they made it drivable. And I'm like, who puts the drivable par four as the first hole in Solheim Cup? And I was like, oh, it's like, okay, great. And I'm going to go for it with a driver. Don't mess up here. And you have the hardest short game shot of your life after that with the shakes. And I was like, great. It was, you know, it was kind of like, okay, okay, how do we deal with this? Like, how, how like, I should have, this is the moment that I've practiced for my entire life. Like, just let it happen but it was hard it was very hard i i can't wait. i hope i hope we make it to the solheim cup this year that's that's an event I, I need to need to find myself at last question and we're gonna let you out of here uh i was i was told to ask you this question i'm supposed to ask you if orlando has nice sunsets orlando's got beautiful sunsets <laughs> Uh, I I told Randy and them I was like, you guys have ruined some things in life for me now because we have so many uh, internal jokes now. Just of spending so much time together, it was just. I mean, it's so you guys are so awesome. I really appreciate the work that you guys do, and I think that we as in women's golf need people like you. That you guys got our back no matter what because you really enjoy women's golf. So I mean, I thank you guys for being the best supporters and. Um, continue to encourage us and display us in every possible way. We, I mean, we really appreciate all the work that you guys do. Yeah, well, we appreciate you letting us in and the access and this past hour and the many, many, many hours you gave us back in February at uh, at the Gamebridge. So, thanks a ton, Madeline, for your time and for all of your contributions you've made to to our content. And we look forward to uh, following you along the way. Thank you, Chris. Thank uh, you for having me. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 